Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show. Chris Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber, along with my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. We've got a big show for you tonight. Lots to talk about in the world of football. Uh, we're going to start with a massive lawsuit between relevant sports and Soccer United Marketing. Let's talk about the unholy trinity, that unholy alliance between Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, and Soccer United Marketing. And now we can add in another member of the Star Chamber, uh, FIFA, Kartik. This a big topic right now in football. Yeah, and I love the fact that uh, Relevance lawsuit went right after the relationship between FIFA and U.S. Soccer, FIFA and some, because we know some got its start because FIFA insisted on uh, giving Soccer United Marketing um, a boost with the rights to the 2006 and 2010 World Cups, uh, allowing them to package that with MLS rights. Uh, and NBC, who had been the high bidder, NBC Universal, uh, ended up uh, losing out. You know, FIFA uh, d- yeah. uh, double, uh, d- double, de- uh, you know, stabbed them in the back. And now we've got the discussion of FIFA and how FIFA continues to break its own rules. Uh, because of the commercial power of the United States and the almighty dollar. Well, we're going to talk about all that and more. We're also going to talk about the U.S. men's national team. A little bit of resumption against Uruguay. Uh, let's talk about Wofford, Javi Garcia getting fired. I thought a bit prematurely, but we could talk about that. And big attendance at women's matches during this international break in Europe. Is the world getting just a little bit sick and tired of international football? Plus, Television rights here in the United States. Let's talk about it as Bournemouth outdraws uh, the U.S. men, at least here in the U.S. So we're going to have a discussion about all of that. 800-878-7529. If you've got something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Twitter at Fifth Street Sports, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network, as well as those of you listening on one of our digital platforms, whether it's iHeart, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app. We welcome you to the show. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Dan Patrick Sports, Sirius XM 211. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today, big topics going on. By the way, I uh, would love to hear from you on Twitter, 800, uh, or at the Streets Sports. How's that? Or you can call us in the studio, 800-878-7529. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, all right, Kartik, let's get to it, shall we? Because relevant sports which is, um, who, are the, who are the primary owners of relevant sports, Gartic? We should let our listeners know. because uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Ross, who Steve owns Ross. the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Ross. Uh, the, the owner of the Miami Dolphins owns relevant sports. Now, this is a man who is known to have a buck or two lying around. Uh, this is a man who is yes. intimately familiar with the uh, way the sports landscape works. He set up Relevant Sports. They are partners with, uh, or they are the owners now of 
the ICC, if I'm not mistaken, Kartik, the International Correct. Champions Cup, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, every summer the ICC puts on a whole range of money-spinning friendlies, bringing big, big teams to play friendly games for massive ticket prices uh, from Europe and, uh, and, and beyond. And, and that's done very well over the years. But I would say these days it's perhaps looking for uh, something to just kick it up a notch, as Emerald Legacy would say, because attendance is down. And I think, uh, you know, the fans of the game here in the U.S. have become a lot more sophisticated and are, are a lot less likely to be completely overawed by a Man United Arsenal friendly match where uh, both teams are playing, you know, third string squad members on their friendly tour. So Relevant has looked around for some stuff to do. And one of the things that they would like to do is to try to bring meaningful league and cup games from other leagues to showcase them here in the United States. And they tried to do that yeah. in Spain. And they were stymied because U.S. soccer would not um, would not sanction the match. Isn't that correct? Correct. Uh, although the Spanish FA had a problem with La Liga moving a regular season match. Remember, this was not going to be a friendly. This was going to be a regular season Barcelona-Hirona match played uh, in Miami. Right. A regular season Barcelona-Hirona match played in Miami. Uh, and, of course, there was trouble with La Liga as well. But U.S. Soccer, who is the sanctioning organization, who is the recipient of a large amount of money from Soccer United Marketing, which is the marketing arm of Major League Soccer, uh, refused to allow this match to take place. Kartik, the, shall we say, the allegations in the lawsuit is that they've done this as part of an illegal monopoly or cartel, basically, uh, to, in order to lock out any form of competition for professional soccer here in the United States. Uh, am I correct or not? Yeah, so essentially what's happened uh, is that they've, they first sued uh, the USSF uh, in New York court about uh, the USSF's refusal to sanction a league match uh, in Ecuador, an uh, Ecuadorian league match, which was also going to be moved to Miami. Um, and um, now they've gone ahead and uh, uh, retained Jeffrey Kessler, who is also uh, involved in the lawsuits of NASL and the U.S. women's national team against the uh, uh, U.S. Soccer Federation. For those of you who don't know, Kessler, he was Tom Brady's attorney against the NFL. You know, very acclaimed antitrust attorney, um, has a great deal of knowledge of soccer, has, has uh, studied soccer for a number of years, um, and uh, understands FIFA rules. And one of the things Kessler, I think, has, has pointed out is the inconsistency between U.S. law and FIFA rules. So um, under the antitrust laws of the United States, FIFA is allowing U.S. soccer to essentially run a cartel, an improper monopoly where they are and losers in this sport, uh, instead of merely governing the game and sanctioning things based on their own bylaws or their own uh, compacts, their own um, statutes. Uh, Relevant is accused the USSF of violating the Sherman Antitrust Act, the same thing NASL did with the same attorney, um, and of tortuous inf interference in their business. That's an yeah. added uh, charge, and that's similar to what NASL is alleging. Now, here's what's different than NASL's antitrust suit. They have um, said that so Soccer United Marketing, well, NASL alleges that too, but some and FIFA are 
non non party, you know, they're not parties to the lawsuit, but they're co-conspirators as well. Um, Re- Relevant um, has paid well over twenty million to the USSF in sanctioning fees, um, which they have to pay in order to host matches in the United States. So, uh, Relevant, I mean, I, I was having a conversation with someone. Uh, who has done work with Bayern Munich in the past in this country. And this person told me Bayern has had to pay sanctioning fees um, in the millions between all the match proponents they've used. Now, they generally, when they come over, they use relevant, like most of the big European clubs do, right? They're all in the mm-hmm. ICC, and they have other friendlies. Like, I went to a Napoli-Barcelona match last month. Uh, I know you're a Napoli supporter, uh, Nick. Uh, that was not an ICC match, but that was also done by Relevant. That was uh, a, a match that Relevant did as part of uh, uh, a relationship they've developed with Serie A. So all the big European leagues were coming to them too. Um, but uh, this person told me Bayern has had to pay millions of dollars to the United States Soccer Federation, whether directly or indirectly, to hold matches in this country. So U.S. soccer is making money every time one of these uh, events takes place. But still, now, in their mode of trying to protect Major League Soccer from any sort of competition, that even includes at the league level. That even includes, as we've talked about on this show before, meddling in the lower divisions, um, preventing an open system, uh, I, I, mo- most importantly, preventing youth clubs outside the MLS sphere from having uh, access to solidarity payments and training compensation. That That's a, a, a very clear anti-competitive uh, policy by yeah. U.S. soccer. Um, through all of this, they have um, essentially turned themselves into an agent for a private corporation or a, or a single entity league in the United States. And they are using their power. This is just like a large corporation buying off uh, the regulatory body. Let's say it's a, 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 a media company buying off the FCC. Basically, I mean, if you want a straight comparison. Well, let's be honest, Kartik, shall we? They're just very naughty. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they have been uh, running this thing like it's their own personal fiefdom and domain. And look, they they use the excuse. you, You hear this time and time again. You hear this from MLS apologists, whether you're on Twitter or Facebook or having a discussion at the pub as you're watching the game. Oh, well, if it wasn't for these guys, we wouldn't even have pro soccer here in the United States. And, you know, that is an argument that expired about six or seven years ago. Yes. There was certainly a period of time where that was a fair argument to make. But the game has developed. The popularity of the game has moved far beyond that now. And that now what has happened is the people that were in early because they were given a monopoly don't want to let anybody else in to take what they consider is a share of their dosh. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Because I think what, what, what's happened is um, because of MLS's success, I'll give them credit uh, and operating in a very tough environment, a very tough environment for soccer, an environment where you had a lot of uh, knobs, quite frankly, in, 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 in the uh, sports media who were very hostile to the sport uh, who wanted to keep MLS down, didn't want MLS to take off. They fought through all that, and they were successful. Um, but their success does not give them a lifetime patent. We don't give lifetime patents for product or products, forever patents. Does not give them right. a permanent ability to dominate the market. They essentially have a patent that was good for 10 or 15 years. And I think we all respect what right. they did. Um, but... 
that 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 those days are over. Now it's time to allow competition. Now it's time to allow an open system. Now it's time to allow uh, youth clubs. And it, MLS didn't even care about the uh, youth development or player development. Now they see it as a mechanism to make money. So suddenly, U.S. soccer is using their might and their uh, uh, their, their responsibility for governing the game to crush youth clubs. The same youth clubs that supplied players for years for Major League Soccer and for the national team. All right, well, we've got to go to break. We'll pick up the discussion on the other side. As Bob Dylan would say, times, they are a-changing. Well, our time yes. never changes. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Series XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, the best show on radio. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick Kartik with you. We're talking about something we talk about a fair amount, by the way, uh, on this show, which is the money issue in uh, professional soccer. Uh, it is so much about the flavor and nature and the way uh, this sport happens. Uh, it's all about the almighty dollar. But having said that, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Well, you know, I bet you'd take the money so if that's the case, why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, when you're betting, well, when you're while you're betting, it's just as important who you're betting with than who you're betting on. So look, uh, I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if my bookie was not the absolute best there is. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season or the Premier League or whatever, use mybookie.com. Uh, so what I want you to do is very simple. Use promo code 5STREET. Activate this wonderful offer because what we're going to do for you is we are going to match your deposit, right? That's right. Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. Enter 5STREET to activate this offer. That's promo code 5STREET. Visit mybookie.ag today and start winning. All right, Kartik. You and I like a little dosh, don't we? So let's start winning. Uh, but we're not U.S. soccer. We're not Soccer United marketing. We're just punters. <laughs> we're just people that like to watch the game and uh, like to go, like to talk about it. We're not in anybody's pocket. We're not beholden to MLS. We're not beholden to U.S. soccer. We just love the game. And quite honestly, I have, I have, I'm done caring whether the press officer at U.S. Soccer or Major League Soccer or the L.A. Galaxy or LAFC like me or think I'm singing the party line. They can blow it out their backsides for all I care, really. I don't care if I ever get another press pass, ever get another free lunch in the press room. I like to speak it like it is. I'm not anybody's biatch, and I will not sing anyone's party line. And, Kartik, as you're the co-host on the show, you're automatically in that club as well. Yeah, I think I think I've earned entry into that club. Uh, look, they um, they have a very myopic view of the world uh, of football, and, and and to be quite frank, they're not paying attention to football outside the United States in a lot of cases. And uh, uh, there's a there's a chip on the shoulder of a lot of people in American soccer. They feel like they've been disrespected or they're not given their proper due. But you have to go out and earn that. You have to earn that respect in world football. And instead yeah. the U S um, has used money. Everything is always about money. Everything is always about commerce. Uh, Carlos Cordero had it thrown back in his face by um, Conmebol, uh last year or earlier this year 
when they made the decision to um, to just flat out uh, say no to this offer to have a joint yeah. Copa America tournament or, or a uh, a, a uh, invitational tournament in the United States. And, of course, the argument from all of the proponents of U.S. soccer were, oh, well, these South American countries need the money, so they're going to do it. Right. They need the money. Not, oh, you know, we're going to do something good for football in South America. These are obviously top countries. Like, Hamda Ball is one of the two major confederations in this world. They didn't they didn't buy what the U.S. was selling. And then all the U.S. soccer apologists said, well, you know, it's too bad for Chile and Argentina. Uh, we could have made them more money than uh, they're going to make having a tournament down there. Because obviously the tournament's going to be hosted by Colombia and Argentina, actually. Um that's their view. Everything comes down to money. It doesn't come down to sporting merit. It doesn't come down to the history of this sport, the traditions of this sport, or what? quite well, honestly, even the culture of this sport. It's well, money. That's it all they think. You know, but what it does, by taking something like the Copa America and saying, you know, we'll do it here, not there, you're taking it away from those fans, people to whom Copa America is their tournament. This is what yeah. they live for. This is their Euros. This is the exciting sports uh, uh, calendar that they have. And by moving it to the United States, you're taking away all that revenue that that country is going to get for hosting it, all the, uh, all the opportunity that the people that live there are going to have to see the countries within their confederation play. Look, it's not the U.S.'s fault they're in an absolutely crappy uh, federation. But, you know, let's be honest, and we can use this as a segue. Uh, U.S. is a pretty crappy team right now, Kartik. Uh, a, yeah. a, a, you know, let's just say a not terrible result against Venezuela. Uh, but they were thoroughly tonked by a, a vastly superior uh, Mexico team. And right. I, I'd like to kind of transition the discussion to the U.S. men's team, if we can, because um, surprisingly enough, as angry as I am with Major League Soccer, Soccer United marketing and U.S. soccer, I'm not nearly as angry with the U.S. men's national team. It seems like I am completely role reversed from the rest of the footballing world in the United States. Yeah, I think, um, especially under Greg Berhalter, what we're seeing is that they're they're ver- they're trying very hard to implement a um, a passing style a style of football uh, reminiscent of what you see uh, you see throughout Europe now and even throughout South America, but really a Dutch style of a lot of uh, elements of, 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 uh, of Ajax's uh, uh, golden age and, and stuff that Barcelona has done and stuff that we see from Cruyff. Um, and, and also a lot of um, side-to-side passing and building out of the back and building through that back line. The, the, the reality is the U.S. does not have the players – right now yet of the technical ability to play the way Greg Berhalter wants them to. But Nick, the bottom line is if the U.S. does not develop its own identity and playing style, they're never going to get anywhere. Uh, they're never going to get any further than they've gotten. They've had some okay. good teams uh, because they've had some very good players. They don't have that level of player anymore. I like what Berhalter is doing. He's thinking ahead, thinking we've got to have a, a system, a style uh, which builds out of the back and, and, and uh, emphasizes possession and moving the defense side to side so you open up space in order to be successful long-term. This is a long-term project for Greg Berhalter. I'm not that concerned about the results. I know everyone was freaking out about the Mexico game. I agree. It wasn't good enough, but I have a very nuanced take on it, saying I like what Berhalter idealistically is trying to do, and it's something that you're not going to see result the results of in three months or six months. You're going to see it in yeah. two years yeah. or four years. 
Well, quite honestly, Kartik, most of the time you speak absolute rubbish. But today, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're spot on. Look, uh, you know, the U.S. national team under Bruce Arena, for as rotten as a co- uh, coach as I think Bruce Arena is, uh, he definitely presented a team that had some definitive characteristics. They were character, work ethic fundamental skills. Now, I know that that's not saying much, okay? But at the time that Bruce Arena uh, debuted that team at the 2002 World Cup, people weren't expecting even that from the U.S. So that was the character of the U.S. team. But as the team has matured and the league has matured and we've pushed, you know, another generation of two generations of young players through the system, you know, the, the U.S. national team has been striving for an identity of its own. Klinsman tried it, but failed because uh, he just didn't really have a grasp on uh, the realities of the American soccer landscape. Something I might add uh, that Greg Berhalter certainly does have. I am like with you, Kartik. I like what he's doing. He's trying to implement a style and a character and a personality to the U.S. team, a team that, and and that in and of itself will transcend whatever players wear the jersey and play for the badge. And that is what's so important about what he's trying to do. That's why fans, you know, members of the, uh, the, uh, the outlaws, uh, people that, that, that live and die for the U.S. national team, need to just back off, lower your expectations for the time being. Realize, as you said, Kartik, this is a seven, eight, ten-year project. This is not a two-year project or a three-year project, or a project for Qatar. This is a long-term project, but if we give it the time at the end of the day, we can have a national team that has a definitive style, something that play that... something that players can look to joining, you know, saying, uh, I want to play this style, this style that I'm going to play, therefore I'll be a good fit for the U.S. national team. Kartik, I think it's an absolutely terrific thing, uh, but I want to go back to politics for a minute because some of the things that I'm very worried about with the resignation of Dan Flynn from U.S. soccer or the discussion that Jay Berhalter is going to take over, that's Greg's brother, that essentially means that Greg's brother is going to be the boss of Jay, uh, Jay is going to be the boss of Greg through Ernie Stewart, who's the middleman there, right? Because Greg Berhalter reports to Ernie Stewart, who would then report to Jay Berhalter. Um, You know, I think it's going to throw way too many political question marks over over his appointment as the U.S. national team manager. I mean, what's going to happen? Let's just say he melts down. Let's just say it's time for a change. Let's just say this isn't working. What, is is Jay going to fire his own brother? He won't. And obviously, I, I think for those of us who've been kind of inside the process, uh, Jay Burhalter is just not a he's not a guy um, that has the respect uh, that Dan Flynn does around the game. He doesn't have the uh, person person to person, the interpersonal skills, I would say, of, of, of Dan Flynn or Ryan Ramiti, who's the other uh, high ranking executive at the at the Federation um, and Cordero. Uh, it doesn't have Sunil Gulati's relationship with the sport. So he's got kind of an absentee landlord, a guy that doesn't know all the people that, that the previous president knew. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's disconcerting. Not not only because um, he he'll be the nepotism argument where he's uh, essentially in charge of hiring or firing his brother, but also all these other things I mentioned. You mentioned Ernie Stewart as a middleman. That's uh, that 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 seems to be more to cover kind of who he reports to. Although again, Stewart is uh, is is part Dutch, obviously, uh, and um, Greg Berhalter played most of his career in the Netherlands, most of his playing career. Obviously, also played in in Germany and in England and and in. Uh, uh, in major league soccer, but uh, the majority, I think over half his career, he was in Holland. That's part of the reason you see his stylistic preferences uh, yeah. in, in uh, his coaching. And I, I sympathize and agree with those style, that style. I just don't know that the U S is ready. All right. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll pick up the discussion on the other side. We're also going to talk a little bit about the situation at Watford. And also maybe we'll take a brief look at some of the uh, rumblings going around the premier league when we come back. History soccer. By the way, hello, Kerry. Sometimes I try to do things and they just don't turn out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And it's like I take my time and I try real hard. And no matter what I do, and no matter what I try, it never works out. It's like I concentrate on the with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM211. Dan Patrick Sports are also coming to you on the uh, award-winning SiriusXM app, iHeartRadio, tune in, and of course, we welcome all of our men and women in uniform around the world who listen on the American Forces Network. We are the most widely distributed uh, soccer show in America, and that's because we are unafraid and unapologetic, and we like to entertain you with our rather radical opinions, and uh, uh, Nick Eber, Kartik Krishna here, uh, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, Kartik. Um, Watford get rid of uh, Javi Garcia. They've had a rotten start to the season. We'll all agree with that. Uh, a little premature, don't you think? Especially given the fact that sort of the guy that was almost as important to the team as the manager, Troy Deeney, hasn't been playing, been injured. Do you think it was a little premature? I do. Yeah, it was, it was very premature. In fact, Javi Garcia was linked with bigger jobs over the summer. Uh, but this is the way Watford operates. Remember, they don't have managers. They have head coaches. Uh, yeah. the, that's all Gracia and Kiki Sanchez-Flores comes back. He's managed them before, or coached them before. Uh, Matsari, the guys they've had there, that's all, all they're asked to do. Remember, uh, the Pozo family owns the team. They handle all the player transfers. They have a transfer committee uh, that, that does that stuff, director of football, uh, they they have one requirement, which is to coach the team, and they, they like to keep it fresh. They cycle through coaches. The second the coach has lost the dressing room, uh, they're gone. And um, it's very unfortunate. I thought Gracia did a fantastic job coming in uh, uh, seasons ago when they were struggling, potentially flirting with relegation under Marco Silva, who had uh, had his head turned by Everton, who Everton then went ahead and hired, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yep. Watford wouldn't release him to interview with Everton. That's when things went south for them, for them and him. Uh, Everton then forced to hire Sam Allardyce. Once Silva was available, they went ahead and fired Allardyce and got Silva without having to pay the compensation Watford would have gotten uh, if they let him go when he was uh, still managing there, still coaching them. Um, I use the term manager normally, but I realize with Watford I have to use the term coach because that's all they are. Uh, Gracia got them out of the relegation trouble that year. Uh, last season, very good. Get to the FA Cup final. Uh, they, they struggled toward the end of the year, but I think that was because they were in the FA Cup final. And then this season, it's four matches. And we've seen signs in the 
in the last two matches that they were beginning to come around. Um, they got a point uh, in in uh, at St. James Park against Newcastle. It's a harsh thing, and Kiki Sanchez Flores, who I have a lot of time for, I actually think he's quite a good manager. Enjoyed him, uh, his his work at Atleti, and and thought he was a, he was hard done at Atleti, uh, at uh, Valencia when he got sacked. Uh, comes to yeah. Watford, does a very good job, gets sacked like everybody does at Watford. He's now back. Now the irony being uh, when uh, in twenty or twenty sixteen by the Pozo family, he criticized the whole structure at Watford, saying this is madness. You know, I can't even pick my players. Uh, these guys are ruining football, type of thing. Ironically enough, four seasons later, desperate for a manager, they bring him back. So let's see how it works out. I think he'll get results in the short term, uh, but in the long term, like every Wat- Watford coach, he will be uh, he will be sacked and looking for work again. Well, he certainly got a very difficult first match in charge. I mean, they're going to host Arsenal, and uh, let's be honest, uh, Arsenal, even though they've had a couple of disappointing results the last two games, that uh, obviously the North London derby, the loss against Liverpool, uh, fully capable of beating teams that are the lower lower echelons of the table. I, I don't see that as, as a smart move at all. Um, if, you know, sort of like the economy, I put it this way. Watford are one of these teams that pretty much are going to sail themselves. As you said, yeah, he's a coach, not a manager. They need someone to run the day by day, but the the coach at Watford doesn't have nearly as much control as anybody else. So what happens at that club? I think it's going to happen. What happened with Gracia or Kiki Sanchez or anyone else that they have in there? I don't think it makes that much of a difference. And that's why I think it was a very, very unfair shake. Uh, for Mr. Garcia, maybe now though, maybe now uh, he could actually uh, afford uh, with his severance to get a razor and clear up that nasty beard. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, you know what? What I think is going to happen though with with Watford long term is there's going to come a time where um, they are going to have to make a decision um, as to whether they want to go out and get. Uh, a real manager and then let go uh, release the reins a little bit on player acquisitions uh, in order to create some stability, or are they going to keep this model going until they get relegated and then flip the club? Although um, you know, the thing that's been interesting is I think that they have a pretty efficient business model. They've sold guys on, uh, they pass guys through, they loan yeah. guys out. There's, there's a whole well, thing. That is their on. business and model. Udinese, that is their business. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard a really interesting interview, actually, with the guy that runs Watford, and, and he was talking about uh, the fact that they sort of know where they live in the pantheon of football, that their job is to be essentially the type of team that can get uh, talent in, uh, nurture, mature the talent, and then sell it on for a profit, and then bring new club. Uh, they're happy with that. They're happy to be mid-table. Uh, but, you know, right now they're not. Right now they're dead bottom of the table. Difficult match coming up against Arsenal Football Club that isn't going to be uh, any easier for anybody. Having said that, Norwich also, who are right above them in the table at 19th, have a terribly difficult match hosting your boys, Manchester City. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's going uh, to be tough going. By the way, Kartik, if I can just go back to our discussions of the last segment about Soccer United marketing and this whole sanctioning issue in this lawsuit. Uh, our listener, Ray Roscoe, chimes in on Facebook. He says, uh, some just want their cut. After all, he is the Don. Uh, mark my words, though, you're going, to, you're going to say Liga MX 
you're going to see Liga MX play official games in the U.S. in the very near future. Um, I actually don't think I'm going to disagree with him on that. The reason that you're going to see Liga MX games in the very near future is because Soccer United Marketing will own the television rights. <laughs> That's true. Um, it, 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 it's it's also um, the way Soccer United Marketing makes money and keeps MLS uh, afloat and operational is because they make a lot of money off uh, Liga and uh clubs coming to the U.S. and they make a lot of money off of uh, the Mexican national team. Yeah, uh, for let's sure. just be honest that's, about it. That's, that's, that's exactly right. And um, don't think um, there's any panic if the U.S. isn't doing for Soccer United marketing. I think the panic comes when Mexico's not doing well. I know they were panicking when Mexico looked like they were going to draw with Panama and then there was mm-hmm. a bicycle kick they won in 2013. And then uh, the U.S. had the chance to eliminate them the very next match day. If they just let Panama want, win, we know what happened, right, in that match. Uh, when, right. Uh, and and uh, I think they were far sweatier about that than they were about the potential U.S. non-qualification in 2018 because financially it didn't mean as much to them, uh, which, again, shows that they're not necessarily working in the interest of U.S. soccer, even though U.S. soccer is going to the hip with them. They're not working in the interest of American soccer. Uh, I uh, Look, Major League Soccer has a lot of good players. Uh, most of them are on Americans. We saw another one yesterday for Uruguay. Spectacular goal from Rodriguez, who plays for LAFC. But, you know, as time has gone on, uh, Americans have less influence in terms of being influential players in their top domestic league than any other country in the Western uh, in, in, in Western society, than the leagues in Australia and Japan or any of the leagues in Western Europe. Um you know, they're, if you name the top 25 players in Major League Soccer, maybe two or three of them are American. Name the top 25 players in the Bundesliga, 10 of them are German. Name the top 25 players in the Premier League, 10 of them are English. Name the top 25 players in Spain, 15 of them in, in La Liga, 15 of them will be Spanish. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Name the top 25 players in the Premier League and 10 of them are English. Yeah. Really? Or, eight, or maybe six or 10. Yeah. Well, let's start right away. Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, I think, is in that conversation. I think Harry Maguire is in that conversation. That's three. Um, okay, maybe, maybe I, maybe I jumped the number. But I think, there, I think there's six or seven. By the way, uh, yeah, may, maybe six or seven. By the way, I agree with you. I think Raheem Sterling right now is the best English player by an absolute uh, country yeah, mile. Yeah. I, uh, so. Did we talk about yesterday? I mean, what a what a! No. Uh, without him, I don't know if England even gets the full points against Kosovo. He was brilliant again. Yeah. Um, this guy, there, he doesn't take days off at all. I I have not seen Sterling have a really bad game in I don't know two years, year and a half. I yeah, mean, he's no, I he, he's either. either good or very good. And when he's not as yeah. good, we say, "Oh, Sterling was quiet," but he was still good. Yeah, he's yeah. he's just on another level now, Nick. Yeah, I don't know how we segued into this, but it, it, it's it's a good point that you make, and uh, it's certainly some validity to it. But to Ray Ray Orozco's point, um, uh, yeah, I think we're very likely to see sanctioned Liga MX matches here in the United States, uh, probably somewhere like oh, San yeah. Diego to start with, somewhere like San Diego to start with. Um, but we'll get there. By the way, big report coming out of Italy from Tutorsport, actually. 
uh, saying uh, in January, Tottenham are going to swap Christian Eriksen for Paolo Dybala. Um, two very different players, I might add. Kartik, uh, you know, <laughs> that has to be the end of uh, of Pochettino if that happens. Yeah, I think that the Bala thing they would have had him already if there was they were able to straighten out the image rights thing. So with six more months or four more months, I think they can work that out legally. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the Bala adds something in the attacking end. Great, but great player, the, great the, player. Love him. Yeah, great the, player. I I love that guy also, and I, I think he's tailed off at Juventus recently because of other factors i don't think i I think he goes somewhere else he'll he'll regain his form from two or three seasons ago but um there's something really wrong at spurs i know we are yeah i don't know yeah on this but it's it it, it's now a topic of conversation on all the programs nick i mean i think we touched on it before so you know bbc football daily and and five live and all these and, and talk sport got into it and i heard the guardian get into it on football weekly but now everybody's talking about it there there's um and, and i think we saw it in the second half against arsenal and that's when people really began talking about it. you and i were talking about it i think a week before that but um the pochettino is now the bookies favorite to be the next manager with gracia sack the next manager to leave his club yeah, I don't think he's going to get sacked. I think he's going to resign. No, 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 no. It's not. It, that's. It's not. It's not a, a sacking line. It's a line on the next manager to leave the club, and the assumption is he'll just walk. Yeah, I think he's going to walk. I can say, read the body language. Uh, I, you know, I think he feels he can take this current squad and the current team as far. He's taken them as far as he can go. I, I just don't think he thinks there's anything more he can do. And you know, quite honestly, Kartik he might just be right. I mean, it takes a very special type of owner uh, to take teams into that sort of pantheon of greats these days. And it's not just throwing a few bucks at it. I mean, it requires a long-term investment, a plan, uh, and the ability to to really plow in money when you have to put it in. Um, And so he's obviously not seeing that with Daniel Levy. All right, well, the music means we've got to go to break. So we're going to do that. In the meantime, find us on Twitter at Fist3Sports. You can find us also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fist3SportsTalk. I'm Nick Gieber. He's Scott at Krishnaya. And you make sure every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern, to make us a regular part of your evening here on Fist3Soccer. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer. Well, we're almost done with the international break. I mean, really, uh, on Saturday, just uh, really just four days away, we're back to the Premier League, and I'm, for one, I'm very, very excited. Uh, Kartik, what do you say tomorrow we get back to the Premier League and European football? Yeah, I'm excited about it, and even better Friday no Premier League, but uh day early we got some Bundesliga. We got a championship match, I believe. Uh we've got La, La Liga's got a match. Uh Liga A gets a, has a match. Uh so that's one day less of the international break. Uh just real quickly, 
the international break has so bored people in uh, around the world that it's been great for women's football. WSL kicks off this past week in England, record crowds. Uh, also, you know, England consistently getting to the semifinals and major tournaments has helped uh, yeah. in, in the women's game, like they have in the men's game, semifinals. Uh, but uh, upwards of 35,000 uh, or so at the Etihad for the Manchester Derby, women's Derby, and uh, uh, close to 30,000 at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea and Spurs. So uh, Chelsea women and Spurs women. So that that's a really good sign, and people want to watch meaningful club football they don't want to watch these international uh boar fests so uh, uh, uh kudos to those people who went out to those matches yeah and i'm telling you Kartik, let's go back to what i said the other day and we're really out of time we can pick this up another time but you know let's let's just do all our qualifying in in one swoop let's just get it over with let's just spend yeah. the summer before qualifying for the tournament whatever you got to do uh you know let the coach uh, or the manager who or whatever his title is uh, take the squad and work with them and play a number of games and have have them for an intense period of time and then give them back to us so we can have our beloved club football because God knows I can't stand these international breaks. All right. Uh, pleased to tell you we'll be back with you tomorrow, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. That's where we are every Monday through Friday right here on the Street Soccer Sports Pilot Broadcast Network. Hope you'll join us. Hope you'll join us online. Our Twitter is at Fifth Street Sports. Our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Until tomorrow, have a great night for me, Nick Eber, and my host, co host, Karthik Krishnaya. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.